Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my guide in all things Elden Ring, Cameron McCoy. How you doing, friend? Good, man. You know, it's uh, it's good to just have like these pre-show conversations. I feel like I got like an entire week's worth of conversation with an adult uh, in 18 minutes with you. It's great. Like, uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, dude, I, and I love how you don't consider your wife an adult. I think that's an, an, also an exceptional, completely different sort of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, she gives you an order, you follow the order, right? Yes, like you execute the order. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we are nothing if not well trained, Cameron. Okay. Uh, anyway, dude, a lot. I wouldn't say lots. Maybe uh, some very intriguing magic news this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like to start out every week with what we've been doing, what we've been playing. What have you been up to? Yeah, uh, continuing down the pioneer train, man, uh, and having just so much fun with this. Even when I'm losing hard, I'm having a great time playing pioneer. That's where we're at right now. So okay, can we, can you time this out for me and talk to me about the sense of pioneer within your community? Is it like? Up arrow, down arrow, kind of medium. How many people are showing up compared to standard, modern, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. I would say, for the most part, recent standard players or people who've been playing standard for the majority of the time for the last, like, maybe five years um, seem to be the ones who really dig Pioneer. There is a small sect of modern players who love Pioneer. And then there's, like, this other, like other modern player who seems to just hate pioneer like it's the worst thing ever and it's like okay you know so i mean but i would say for the most part recent standard players seem to be the ones and that makes a lot of sense right that tracks uh in a lot of ways so um yeah that's what i would say and there are some people who love it you know and i think there's a lot of people who are just kind of medium on it it's just something different to play on a friday or a saturday afternoon right so, so, but attendance has been pretty good. It's been decent. Um, it depends on like which shop I'm going to, honestly, um, and and then which day, right? And really, it's just like I see on a Saturday afternoon there's a Pioneer tournament. I'm going to go to that rather than Friday Night Modern, right? That's just it. so it really kind of just varies and depends. But for the most part, I would say the numbers have been well, a heck of a lot better than standard. Um, just, just looking at the tables, you know, and how they, they kind of split, but, um, it's still nowhere near as popular as, as modern. Like that's, that's what I can assess. Um, so anyway, uh, just kind of keeping it spicy, uh, this week I did a little flip with, um, a guy at my shop and I borrowed his Bant spirits list and I gave him my blue white control list. Uh, fun fact, blue eye control, I think is like one of the best things you could be doing. And, uh, he took down the tournament. Good for him. Nice. I, on the other hand, playing band spirits while incredibly interesting and fun and, um, complex, I performed awfully. I mean, like I ended up going Oh three drop. Right. I mean, it was like, just, I, it was a woodshed whipping. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of things that I do like about like what the band spirits list is doing. Uh, first and foremost, uh, collected company continues to be just like one of the most absurd cards out there, um, on the power level of something like Winota. Um, 
But yeah, it's just incredibly good. Um, and then this is just like your greatest hits of um, of spirits, dude. Like, I mean, we're talking like Spell Queller, Rattle Chain, Selfless Spirit, Mausoleum Wanderer, right? I mean, it's like the greatest hits of all of that. Um, the only thing that is new to this list than something that was that something that existed either in modern or um, or pioneer from two years, two three years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, is the pathways and i'm just gonna posit this to you i don't think it's like a you know a huge proclamation or anything the pathways i think are the most important lands to be printed since the shocks in terms of pioneer um i i you know at the time i was i was i would say lukewarm on them i i come into play untapped land is always going to be great but just that choice green, white, blue, red, whatever you're going to do and you're committing to it. Um, I don't know. There's just something about that that just makes for really interesting magic in the context of Pioneer, where it's like you're really making a sacrifice by committing to the white side of the the pathway, right, on a green, white card, um, where it, it might just like, oh, now I can't cl- – cast the collected company the way that I wanted to this mm-hmm. turn, right? There's like real decisions that have to be made on that. It just makes for really good magic. Um, so anyway, I I love this spirits list. I, I mean, I love the idea of a spirits list. I've always liked the collected company list. Um, is it the best thing to be doing in Pioneer? No, by no stretch of the imagination. Um, like I got Meat Hook Massacred. Like, you want to believe against the uh, uh, Jun sacrifice. That, I mean, like, I just, like, outright lost with a Meat Hook Massacre yeah. and uh, Cat Combo, right? So, but it was great. I loved it. It was it was exactly the sort of, like, mistake that I made where I lost, but I was okay with it because I knew exactly why I lost. Um, it's, it, you know, whereas with, like, modern, sometimes I'm like, well, that was just a coin flip. Where this, there's still a little strategy behind it. Yeah, so, man, I'm I'm so intrigued by this format, and I still haven't played it. Like, I've got Is It Phoenix sitting somewhere over there, just yep. ready to go in Pioneer. Um, it's stunning to me that Winota is still legal, by the way. But that's the kind of deck that I think you don't want to play against with Spirits. Um, and, I mean, yes, there are ways to work around it, but the thing that Spirits has battled that why Humans has kind of emerged as the better alternative to a theme-collected company deck is there are these times where if you don't draw a collected company or you draw the wrong combination of spirits, like a multitude of your three manas with not a lot of your one manas, that basically the deck becomes unplayable. Um, or you hit, you try to hit a collected company and you get two Mausoleum Wanderers when you need <laughs> one of your three mana. You know, like, yeah. basically there are many, and it's not every time, but it's a certain percentage of the time you don't just kind of whiff. And by whiff, I don't mean hit just lands. I'm ta- the the wrong variety of creatures, especially because the spirits can end up being so small in comparison to their human counterparts or mono red counterparts or gen counterparts. Yep. On and on and on, right? Um, whereas where spirits really excels is when you're playing against something like a control deck or you know something that's a little bit lighter. Like I, I would not want to play against spirits if I were Phoenix, right? Yep. But as soon as I am, like, putting dudes to the board, then that becomes a, a kind of a different experience. Um, but, man, 
How is how is Winota still legal? Okay, that's so weird. It's a question I have every single time I see it played. It really does feel like Watsi has forgotten all about this format. They're like, it hey is. guys, Pioneer, Pioneer. <laughs> um, and then they just kind of forgot about it. Um, <laughs> so I would love to tell you that I've been doing much else besides banging my head against the proverbial wall on this blue-white control list. Cameron, uh, yeah, I man. have never been so convinced that there is a deck there that is not being properly built or properly utilized. So I'm, I'm spending a lot of time these last kind of days or two just kind of taking notes, and a lot of it is what we talked about. Otherworldly Light, Otherworldly light Fateful Absence, um, The Wandering Empire, Emperor, great cards. Memory Deluge, great card, right? Mm-hmm. New Teferi, is it Teferi who seeks the sun? Yeah. Terrible. Awful. <laughs> Terrible. What is that card doing in these decks? Um, five mana dragon has also been pretty underwhelming. Um, Emrith, right? Because mm, a lot of times mm-hmm. you have to tap out. Um, you end up playing like not nearly enough or the right wrath that uh, the devastation wrath from Strixhaven, I still think should be seeing play because it destroys all non land permanents. There is many, 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 many times where you need that, and you don't need Farewell, mm-hmm. right? Because Farewell doesn't hit Planeswalkers, but man, if you can catch somebody where you destroy all non-land permanents, woo, right? <clears throat> and with Faithless Haven out of the format, that looks even better, yeah. right? But even the green-white, non-rune, just green-white Wandering Emperor, Asika's Chariot dot deck, that, that deck has a ton of ways to accrue card advantage, Compared to these control decks that are just like Wraths and Planeswalkers mm-hmm. and like two memory delusions. There's just like, there's no way this construction is correct. But Wandering Imp, like being able to just be untapped on turn four, hold up, Counterspell, Wandering Empire, Memory Delusion. There's no way you can't tell me that that is not good. There's two instant speed removals in white. Like, ugh, ugh. There's, there's got to be a deck here, Cameron. It's just so frustrating that I haven't been able to devote the time to it to get it to where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's also the shell that Wandering Emperor works the best because a lot of times with these green-white ones, it just functions as a four-mana instant speed make a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Where in the control shells, it's so much more versatile in doing what it needs to do. Um, but anyway, frustrating. I mean, right now, Goldfish has Azorius Control as like the fourth best deck or something. But if you look at, like, whenever you click on it, you look on the right, there's a ton of terrible records in tournaments okay. with it. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And, and, like, I, again, both mono-white, green-white have just wrecked me because they don't have yeah. to do much. And I'm just, like, fumbling around looking for another wrath. So, anyway, and again, we've talked about the dual face, uh, double-faced land card problem in these decks where people just pack it full for the blue ones, for the white ones, another two of the the rare white ones or mythic rare white ones. And then so many of your lands come into play tapped. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? Yeah. So anyway, just playing on me uh, banging my head against that wall. So Cameron, I want to combine again like we usually do our first two segments because there's just a couple items of news here. Um, so I, I, this is completely unverified. Just got it from Twitter. Okay, a guy, uh, Bash McAllister, who's you know apparently a card shop owner, 
a person I don't know. So this is think of this as the most unverified <laughs> of rumor mill, rumor mill. You could even think of it as a hypothetical conversation. Okay. So he says the rumor mill amongst vendors is the following. GPs are coming back with a focus on fewer but larger events. A PTQ system that is localized to WPN premium stores like the old PPTQ or not like the old PPTQ, the PPTQ or RPTQ system. So that would be like, I don't even remember if you were around for old school PTQs, but they were like, you know, 100, 150 tournament player tournaments. You know, this mm-hmm. is the glory days um, uh, at these kind of larger shops. Um, and so, yeah. Think of those as medium level Saturday events. I feel yeah. like you and I did go to a PTQ once, uh, like somewhere yeah. in Iowa. Yeah, we did. Anyway, right? yeah. Anyway, so react to me. What do you think, Cameron? Uh, listen, if we're gonna get a GP, and even if there are fewer of them, but they're they're larger, and we have to trek up to Minneapolis to go to one or St. Louis, sign me up. I am ready. I am so ready for these sorts of things. And, uh, I mean, there's this thing right now, every single time I go to the shop and I am hungry for in-person competitive play and I'm getting just a little taste of that, but I, I am ready for like that larger thing. Right. And even those like intermediate things, like if it's a PPTQ or PTQ or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm ready for those sorts of things as well. I mean, I, you know, don't stand a chance of, of getting in there but those are the sorts of things where it's like you can really cut your teeth and get in the reps that you need and and um you know maybe have some success just playing you know tournament magic it's great cameron i, I look forward to you going one one and three at another ptq the 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 cameron special right yeah, the, that's the mccoy uh, average <laughs> yeah the McCoy line. Um, no, you dude, like, at the end of the day, even this rumor got me excited. Yeah. Right? And, like, this is this is what's missing from Magic right now for us. And, I, I mean, again, I don't know how much you want to crush Watsy for not having PTQs in a pandemic. I, you know, of yeah. the many issues that we have with how they've been handling business, I don't know that I'm going to crush them for that. Yeah. But, but this is what drives standard play. This is what drives, I mean, it could drive modern play as well. It's like, because I am super out on modern, don't really care for it. I don't care for the play patterns. I haven't for, gosh, a long time. But if you said, hey, 150-person store tournament PTQ modern, I'd be like, well, better get some reps in with modern. Then, yep. then I can complain about modern at the tables. It'll be so much more enjoyable, especially for my opponents. So they, people love it when you complain about modern while you're storming. They love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, what was my storm count again? Um, but anyway, I just, I need this. I, I, I've been on the record multiple times. I think organized play and pro play are two separate things. I think for a majority of the quote-unquote grinders, if you cut out the high-level pro events and just kept Grand Prix, we would be just fine. Mm-hmm. Right, just have high stakes Grand Prix, and then do some kind of Grand Prix Championship thing. That would be cool. Um, but I don't need 
a pro circuit where you're constantly paying players, whatever. I want to get together with people. I want to play in an event that's like super structured, has judges. Like, what was great about this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And again, I think it can be done and it can be profitable. It's just got to be reworked in a way. Like, you don't need appearance fees. You don't need buys. You don't need, like, I don't even, like, between vendors and entry fees, it's kind of astonishing to me that you wouldn't make money. Mm-hmm. Um, Coverage-wise, I think that's probably maybe a hill too far at this moment. Let's get the Grand Prix back first. Would I love coverage? Absolutely. Do I think it would be great? Yes. Do I think there are obvious people to hire for this? Yes. But... I mean, I feel like uh, I'm broke. You're ask, you're giving me five bucks, and I'd say I'd rather have a twenty. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Right. My 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 dating philosophy in high school: be- beggars can't be choosers. Right. So let's <laughs> let's go from there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Now, um, there's the GP thing, the PTQ thing. Um, this could lead towards Saturday Magic, dude. Yeah. This could just lead towards big event Saturday Magic, which is what we are dying for. Um, all right, other thing. <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to talk about Magic Online anymore. What is this program? What role does it fulfill? Um, so they have these spring all access things, and I think it's um sometime in March. Is it March twenty eighth to April sixth? Basically, you can buy a $25 thing that allows you to, and I think you might need to buy two of them to actually pay for all your entries as well. But if you have ticks, then you can pay for the entry with ticks, whatever. Again, this is the most magic online thing ever. You need like a diagram to understand how you're about uh-huh. to like enter this event. But long story short is there's a way to pay 25 bucks in and all the cards get unlocked for you. Um, so here you go, Cameron. Play some Pioneer, bro. Um, why is this not the case all the time on Magic Online? Uh, Dude, I mean, (laughs) let's just talk about this. Like, they're effectively doing what we've been asking for in Arena. Give me a subscription service to this game. You'll make oodles of money from me more than you would if it's just like every other month releasing a set. And just let me play the decks that I want to play. You know, uh, why they're doing this on Magic Online? Why, like, I mean, it's like they suddenly realized, hey, there's still some money in this. Let's try to milk it for everything we possibly can rather than investing all those resources and time into one product, one digital product that you own um, and doing a really good job with that. Like, I mean, this is just a continuation of the last several months of our complaining of what is your digital strategy for this card game? And, I mean, this is cool. I love it. But why? Why is it on MTGO? Because <laughs> it kind of feels like you're shooting from the hip at all times. Yeah. I had this moment where I was thinking about, like, because everybody says, you know, Arena should be like, wow. And I think a lot of that is the the Venn diagram of people that have or played wow seriously and that currently play magic there's probably significant overlap but if you just stop and think how many companies the size of hasbro do not have a subscription service like almost every company you can think of 
has some form of a subscription service for its premium users. So, like, I mean, dude, I even pay a subscription for my GoPro account to record mm-hmm. my daughter's high school sports, right? Like, GoPro, the camera company, has a subscription service. Every major tech firm has a subscription service, mm-hmm. right? Like, we could just go on down the list. It's not just Microsoft with Game Pass or Blizzard with WoW. I guess that's redundant because Microsoft is about to own Blizzard. But sure. you get the idea. Yeah. It's like, I even pay a subscription for my Razor Blades, right? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? This is, this is not the newest model in the world. And almost every company has realized this is the way to go about it. This is what, what's going to work. And so, I mean, I mean, what if, let's, because obviously MTGO is going to stick around somehow, but if they mm-hmm. had a bundle that was MTGO subscription, arena subscription, some quantity of Dungeons and Dragons stuff, because we're talking about a Watsi premium membership. I'm trying to think of the dollar amount that they could charge that I would not bat an eye at. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you would be getting significantly more money out of me than you would in aggregate over Arena, and me begrudgingly putting 25, 50 bucks in because I'm irritated about the wild cards. Exactly. And you don't gain, like, there's no ill will, right? Yeah. Like every average American, I ignore my credit card statement until it's too late, right? Like so, I'm like <laughs> so. Anyway, that that's like the frustrating thing for me is like this is obviously right in front of them. And arena, you don't even have to give me all the cards. The subscription fee could just be uh, the premium could be just limited. You could say, hey, yeah. you still have to play to access the cards, but unlimited drafts or twenty drafts a week or whatever you want to do. I would pay a, I would pay like a significant amount of money for that Cameron. Mm-hmm. I really would to not have to deal with it. So anyway, I, I I don't know how you feel about these things. I know some people are very anti subscription service. No, no. Like I mean, honestly, like what they're doing here is great. I'm the, my major criticism is it's on MTGO and like we spent the last five years where they just haven't been putting the resources they should be putting into MTGO, into Arena, and just having one client to rule them all. Like, I just don't understand what the reason behind that is other than just um, cluelessness. Like, I really think it's just clueless. Yep. Kind of feels that way. Or, like, maybe maybe a really competing vision at all times Mm -hmm. and... The person in charge just keeps vacillating. Maybe people, person, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it just feels bizarre. All right, Cameron, let's get out of this segment and uh, ruminate on Elden Ring some more. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, Cameron, so I've got Apple TV. I've seen ads for Severance. Yeah. I know it exists. Um, the ads are i would say befuddling so i'm interested to hear what you what you think go it's not my favorite series by any stretch but i'm really digging just like this premise it feels like i'm watching a multi-part episode of like uh the twilight zone or something like that from the 1960s right it's just like a really strange premise where they have a technology where they you essentially can like split your personality, your brain into two separate people. So there's one person who's constantly going to work 
um, it, it, it's you, but they it's pretty much like a tabula rasa. It's just a blank slate of this new person who all they do eight hours a day is work. They go down an elevator, and when and then that brain that part of the brain shuts off, and when it comes back up, it's that same person, so that the, you can live your life outside um, as a normal person without ever having to experience work. Um, so it's like an interesting premise, um, and it's going into some weird ways. Obviously, the company is strange. We don't know exactly what's going on. Is it nefarious? There's all these like. Um, questions that you're kind of exploring i'm gonna say yes i'm gonna say yeah. yes to yeah. the nefarious yeah uh but it stars like uh john Turturro, patricia arquette adam scott so i mean like you know the they have some really interesting good casting that that's in this um and yeah I, I'm, I'm just digging kind of like the sci-fi premise um the production design has like this weird retro 1960s meets modern day stuff um, it's just a, it's a strange show, um, that feels a little bit meandering in episodes five and six, seven, where it's like, okay, enough of the mystery. Let's get some answers going on, but I'm still kind of in it. Um, so, uh, for me, this is a sort of like sci-fi that I love. I always just want like the mystery box sort of things. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm digging, uh, I'm digging it. Cool. One day I will have to check that out. I actually have the subscription, so it would be worth it for me to look into, man. Yeah. Um, that that seems like a good treadmill show. I would say, yeah. A, a, a distraction from something else, maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a um, couple things for me. Uh, so first of all, F1 season has started. Amazing still. On a technical level, Cameron, I'm going to send some of this stuff to you, but they've gotten a foot, like a level of camera now where you're effectively inside the driver's helmet. And so you can actually see when the driver is where they're looking and when they're checking their mirrors and all this. And it is the most panic inducing camera work (laughs) you have ever experienced in your life. Because before it was like the the inside camera was like right above the driver's helmet. So it was stapled to the car. So like you weren't. you weren't experiencing it like the driver's experiencing it and it is freaky right yeah um but anyway so the other thing i want to talk about is elden ring and obviously this has made all the rounds of the internet a lot of people are saying you know you you know buy it don't buy horizon like and again i find myself in this kind of breath of the wild thing where they kind of do opposite things well Mm -hmm. um there are moments in Horizon that I would say are still more visually and aesthetically powerful than what I've seen in Elden Ring. And Horizon also does a really good job of pushing you forward with the overall meta story and with the surprises therein. Obviously, Elden Ring is a FromSoft game, so you get a lot of like obfuscation and hey i hope you feel like reading some item descriptions if you'd like to figure out what's going on Mm -hmm. but the thing that's refreshing about elden ring is the lack of hud the lack of you know it's got that breath of the wild Mm -hmm. hey man you figure it out you know sometimes to a level of frustration but i can't stop being in this world and experiencing their designs and 
they just have the magic dust. I don't know what they're doing that these other people can't do, but no one designs a level like FromSoft. Mm-hmm. And, or if they do, they ruin it with a horrible map with all these HUD icons that I can't make heads or tails of. But it's so refreshing to not be just chasing after an icon. It's so refreshing to not have to look at the radar on the map, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And that is just what's great about this game. I would say, and I, I mean, I'll be snobby about it, but so far it's been much easier than <laughs> previous FromSoft games. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I die. I mean, I'm not like an expert, but like compared to the absolute uh, thrashing that I received at the hands of Sekiro or Neo 2, for that matter, which isn't FromSoft, but a similar concept. Um, this is, you know, oh, hey, die a couple times. All right, I'll be back. See you later, man. And then you can yeah. kind of go wherever. So I really feel like in some ways it's weird that it's more accessible. And I'm sure you've said this. It's more accessible for the average user, which would I think explains its sales. And if you really want to go, like, you can guide out the whole thing too, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but here's what I'm, t- I'm saying to you, Cameron, is I... Currently, I'm playing in offline mode. Should I keep doing this? Um, I would tell you maybe towards the later parts of the game, if you're getting frustrated with some of the bosses, because some of the bosses are just so incredibly hard, and you might be specced in a way for your character where it's like, I'm not a ranged character at all, right? Like, I need to be up front. And there's some bosses where it's like, that's almost, like, you can't, I don't think you can actually win against some of the sub bosses if you aren't a ranged character. So using the like the furled finger or whatever it is in order to go online or to invite somebody into your world to cooperatively play a boss, um, I found that to be incredibly helpful for some in some cases. Um, so that's my suggestion: is maybe continue offline, but there might be some worthwhile places to play. Um, online if you need the cooperative sort of thing. Yeah, so also, you mentioned something about how you had farmed. You'd watch a guide to farm. I'm curious if that has to do with material acquisition because it is so much more giving. And, like, you know, I was sitting there, and then I was like, oh, wait, I can sell all this crap that I've picked. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if you really want to grind up fast... I don't know if this is the way you did it, if you actually fought dudes, but like, mm-hmm. it just seems like there were multiple times where it's like, oh, I can sell all my Roa fruit or whatever yeah, and just yeah. level up that way. Uh, okay. <laughs> Early game that's totally worthwhile. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of it kind of blew my mind, whereas like, again, Dark Souls is like, you want to level up, you better earn it, buddy. Y- yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I do miss at times... This And I know this is going to happen in kind of like larger levels, but the satisfaction of Dark Souls 1 and Bloodborne of creating the shortcut for yourself. And like, there are moments where the map feels so large that I tell myself, like, I'm never going to actually have this memorized. Whereas like with the stuff in Dark Souls, I did, you know. Those paths, you knew exactly, yeah, how to route it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... um, but anyway, I've been minimal on guides so far, but it's we're creeping up on um, now the levels are coming fast and yeah. furious, and it's like, okay, I need to figure out what kind of character I'm doing. Uh, just to let you know, Fighting Cowboy, I think he's on like about 50% through his walkthrough, his 100% walkthrough, so 
you know, just keep on going guideless, but um, just know that our dude has has that all laid out for you. Easily, easily, easily my favorite Souls YouTuber. I've yeah. looked at other people, and like Fextra Life is great. They have build mm-hmm. guides too, because um, I've used a lot of these people for the Neo games, which... Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Neo games are, are much more particular about how you spec because they use loot like Diablo. Um, but yeah, like almost certainly will do that. I I really need to use his um, guide for Dark Souls 3 so one day I can just shoot for, through 3 because yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to tell you how to complete the last 75 hours of Elden Ring, where could they find you? <laughs> I'm probably there. Uh, that's all at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We will check you guys next week.